If you would, turn with me to uh, Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13 together. Before we uh, dive into the text, though, let's take a moment just to commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we uh, come before you again as your people uh, to sit under uh, your word. Lord, it is authoritative. It is sufficient for all of life and godliness. We We find here truth that is eternal. The relevance of these verses that we're going to consider together today in this year, 2023, are just as relevant as the day that they were penned. And so, Lord, we ask that your word would speak, that you would build up your church for your glory. God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable before you. And it's in your son's holy name that we pray. Amen. This story of Ruth that we have been considering so far in the first chapter of the last several weeks really comes to a turning point here. Uh, Chapter 1 deals with uh, this one particular family, the family of Elimelech and their journey from Bethlehem into Moab and then the return of his widow, Naomi, to Bethlehem with this one daughter-in-law named Ruth and chapter 1 really lays the foundation of the rest of what we'll consider in the next few weeks in these last three chapters of the book of Ruth. And as we consider where we've come from in chapter 1, we need to understand that the declaration of trust that we saw in chapter 1 by Ruth to Yahweh, declaring that Yahweh would be her God is really the climax of chapter 1, and everything else that we see in the chapters and verses that follow here in the book of Ruth hinge on this, that Ruth has declared her trust and faith in Yahweh alone. And so as we come to these 13 verses, as we move from the the opening story of chapter 1 into the final portion of this story of Ruth, we see something very important, and that is this. God shows favor to those who trust in him. If you would follow along with me, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose side I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. In light of this overwhelming truth that I stated earlier, God shows favor to those who trust in him. In these first two verses in particular, we see that those who trust in the Lord act. Uh, The setting here of chapter 2 in the latter half of the book of Ruth is very much what we saw at the end of chapter 1. It is still a, a, a time where Naomi finds herself in the bottom of The pit, the emptiness, the calamity that we highlighted last week in the midst of Naomi's life is still true of her. They are in full effect here in her life. She is impoverished. She is all alone. She is without a husband. And the only person that she has by her side is this Moabite woman, Ruth. And at this point in the story, for Naomi, Ruth only serves as a constant reminder to her of her hardship and her sin. She is hopeless. She is impoverished. But the setting of chapter 2 is also one of hope. We left chapter 1 with these words. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. 
This, this town of Bethlehem has gone from a time of famine and judgment to now having a time of God's mercy being bestowed upon them at the beginning of this barley harvest. There was once again food to be found in this city. The famine was over. And so as the readers, we come to chapter 2 and we think to ourselves, if God is doing this for Bethlehem, surely he can bring relief to Naomi. And so in verse 1, the writer gives us the introduction of this portion of the passage. And verse 1 is full of suspense. We're introduced to this one relative, this kinsman, whose name is Boaz, and we're told there that he is a worthy man. He is a powerful person. He is wealthy and influential, as we'll come to see here in a moment in the story. And we're told that, very specifically, he is of the clan of Elimelech. Now, if you remember, Elimelech is the husband of Naomi, who died early on in chapter 1. And uh, this clan, this family, these families who are descended from a common ancestor, would have played an important role in the life and health of the nation of Israel. And so we're told of this one man, Boaz, who is this glimmer of hope for us here in the story. So really, at the end of chapter 1, now here in the first verse of chapter 2, we see that the situation is even brighter than we might have thought. Not only is it the beginning of the barley harvest, but the writer tells us here that there is this one, this man named Boaz, who potentially can bring relief to Naomi and Ruth. But we come to verse 2. And the the, uh, awareness of Boaz is not on Ruth or Naomi's mind. They have something else on their mind, and that is, what are they going to eat? You see there in verse 2, it says that Ruth and and, uh, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. There's an abruptness here to verse 2 that tells us that what uh, Ruth says here to Naomi happens very soon after their arrival in Bethlehem. And so we can imagine, once they come into Bethlehem, immediately they have to set their minds on what are we going to do about food. Now, what Ruth references here and what she has in mind happens to come from a provision that God gives in the law that he gave to Moses to take care of the poor and the destitute in the land of Israel. So it's important for us to understand exactly what we're seeing here. So turn with me just for a moment to Leviticus chapter 19. Instead of explaining to you what this law provided, I want you to just hear it. It's very self-explanatory, very simple, easy for us to understand. So in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, God gives this provision in his law to take care of the poor and the sojourner in the land of Israel. And this is very important in in regards to what we're seeing Ruth uh, requesting here of her mother-in-law. So Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edges. So you're supposed to leave a little bit of, of the harvest on the edges of your property. And then he says, Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And so after the reapers come through, the servants of the, of the, the land over, uh, owner come through the land, naturally there are going to be parts of the harvest that fall to the ground, that are left behind. And so God says to to leave those there. Why does he do that? We'll continue in verse 10. It says, And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, 
Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of the vineyard. Again, very self-explanatory. When, when, when something like grapes fall to the ground, leave them there so that, look what he says, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. We see a very similar law given in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Very much the same type of wording. And the heart of the law was to make it possible for the poor who are living inside the land of Canaan to meet their needs through labor. This, this was not in any way a free handout, but an opportunity for the poor to glean in the fields. As we'll go through the story this morning, you're going to see that word glean used several times. And this is important for us to understand exactly what Ruth is doing. She is going to the fields for survival. It is mere sustenance that she is looking for. And the gleaning that she is doing, first of all, is hard work. This is, this is very laborious work. It is hot. It is, it is labor-filled. It is tiresome. But not only is it hard work, it is also potentially unsafe work. To be out in the fields in this way, there were uh, people who could be passing through the fields who might cause someone harm. There are also uh, landowners during this time who would have taken advantage of the lost gives and take advantage of the poor and take advantage of the sojourners. And this would have especially been true for a foreigner, a Moabite woman like Ruth. And so what she asked to do is, is one of, of great sacrifice. And so she says there in verse 2, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. She has this law in mind. Something that the text emphasizes here in regards to Ruth's character is she is one who takes initiative. She's one of great courage. She is sacrificing of herself for the sake of Naomi. And if you consider what she says there in verse 2, we see that in faith she believed that God was going to provide for her needs, that God was going to show her favor. She says there at the very end, she says, after him in whose side I shall find favor. This word favor will become very important in the story that we're considering together this morning. We need to understand here at this point in verse 2, Ruth and Naomi do not have Boaz in mind. We as the readers, as the writer has given us, verse 1, are aware that Boaz exists, but this is just meant to, to build up the tension of the story. Ruth is setting out to whatever field she comes to, trusting that the Lord will provide for her needs. We see something very important here in regards to faith. Faith does not equate to sitting by idly. Faith calls us to action. We think of this in the New Testament, in the book of James. Faith without works is dead. And we see Ruth acting on the commands of God according to his law and in faith believing that he will bring about favor upon her. What do we do with Naomi here? Well, we don't necessarily know why Naomi doesn't join her in this effort. Some commentators suggest it's because of her age or because of the bitterness she has expressed earlier in chapter 1. Maybe it's out of despair or fear, but Naomi does not act on her position. But we see here that Ruth does, and so Naomi simply says to her, go, my daughter. Ruth acts, and her actions flow from a trust in God. 
this is very reminiscent of the story we looked at recently in Genesis where we see the servant of Abraham being sent out by Abraham to Abraham's homeland to find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And not only do we see the servant acting in obedience to his master, but we see that uh, the theme there in the story over and over again that the, the servant is trusting that the Lord will provide for his needs. This is very much what we see here with Ruth in chapter 2. So whatever Naomi's stand uh, or state of mind is here in, in, in the story, we don't know. She's, she's idle. But Ruth acts. God provided Ruth with the means to take care of herself according to his law, according to his word. And she acts on it. Not only just to take care of herself, but also for her mother-in-law. And the situation is not ideal. This is not the situation that Ruth and Naomi want to find themselves in. In fact, this is a dangerous situation for Ruth. But by acting on the means that God has provided by his law, she continues to show us not only a loyalty to Naomi that is to be commended, A loyalty that we saw to Naomi earlier in chapter 1 that will be echoed here in a moment when we see the words of Boaz and really is echoed throughout the story of Ruth. Not only do we see her loyalty to Naomi, but we also see, most importantly, a trust in God that is to be emulated. If we truly trust in God, And believe that he is who he says he is. And and know that his word and his law and his commands are good. If this is true of us, if we trust God, we will do things his way. According to his word. God provided for Ruth in his law, in his word, an opportunity for her to walk in obedience before him. And she trusts in him. And she does things according to his ways. This should be true of every aspect of the life of the believer. Whatever we do, if we say this morning, if our confession is that we trust in God alone, that we will live our life in all that we say and do in view of what he tells us to do according to his words and how we raise our children Kids and how you interact with other children at your school or in your, 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 on your, your sports team or in your clubs. Whatever it is that you do in, your, in the way you dress, the way you talk. That you're doing it according to how God has called you to live. In every aspect of our lives, in our careers, everything. If we trust in God, we will do things according to his ways and his standards. We also see here in this passage, though, that God guides those who trust him. We pick up the story there in verse 3 and it says so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, "The Lord be with you." And they answered, "The Lord bless you." Then Boaz said to this his young his young man who was in charge of the reapers, "Whose young woman is this?" And the servants or the servant who was in charge of the reapers, answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short 
rest. And so Ruth goes out, just as she said she would, to glean in the field after the reapers. And the text tells us there in verse 3 that she happened to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. Another way to translate that is that she encountered by chance Boaz's field. In the original language there, it uses two different words for chance. This is a chance chance that she happens to come to this particular part of the field that belongs to this one who was mentioned in verse 1. We need to understand here that it would have been very uh, hard or difficult in this day, a near impossibility to find a particular portion of the land that belonged to a particular person. The way the land was divided, there were no fence lines, and so unless you were the foreman or the servant of Boaz or Boaz himself, it would have been very hard for you to know exactly where Boaz's field was. Uh, and, and, it, and, and for Ruth, going out just simply to find somewhere to glean from the land and not having this in mind, this was a, uh, an impossibility for her to come upon this particular portion of the field. So the writer tells us it happened by chance. But we as the readers know full well that this did not happen by chance. The original audience would have known full well that this did not happen by chance. And the writer, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, using that word, happened to come to that part of the field, also knows full well that this did not happen by chance. He uses this word to emphasize the fact that this was a divine appointment. God had brought her to this portion of the field. There was no word from the Lord that told Ruth to go to this particular part of the field. There was no angelic chorus. There was no writing on the wall. Ruth simply trusted the Lord. And what did he do? He directed her path. Now notice this. Not only does she end up in this particular field, but Boaz happens to be on the scene. As the owner of the land, it would not have been normal for him to be there in the field. That's why he has a foreman. That's why he has servants to work the field. And if we look at how it's communicated here, we see that he comes on the scene very shortly after Ruth does. Something that's interesting about the story, uh, the the, the narrative of Scripture, is oftentimes the writer will tell us a lot about a character and what they say first. And so what is it that Boaz says first here in the story? Well, you see it there in verse 4. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. The reapers reply with the appropriate answer, the Lord bless you. But what do we see here about Boaz? Right away, he is a man who honors the Lord in all that he does. And in view of the luck, the happenstance that is mentioned in verse 3, it is quite fitting that Boaz comes on the scene and he says, the Lord is here, Yahweh is here. This is not a chance meeting that is about to happen. And so upon his arrival, he notices there an an unfamiliar face. He notices there at the end of verse 5 this one woman, and he says, Whose young woman is this? Uh, The foreman in in verse 6 very plainly and and, and kind of in a condescending way says, Well, she's that foreigner, that Moabite woman uh, that we have heard about. We come to find something very important here in the story of Ruth, and that is that the word has spread throughout Bethlehem of what she has done for Naomi. And we'll see that here in a moment in Boaz as well, that he knows full well who Ruth is and what she has done. 
And so when we think back to last week at the end of chapter 1, when there's all this excitement in Bethlehem upon Naomi's return, and Ruth goes nameless there in, in, in what Naomi has to share, we come to see that the city of Bethlehem, the town and the people there, even this lowly foreman, know and have heard of what Ruth has done for Naomi. And he says there in verse 7 that she made this formal request, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. Again, the, the writer is emphasizing the initiative and the, and, the, and the courage that Ruth has taken here that we can assume only comes from the fact that she is trusting in the Lord, that he will show her favor. She acted in faith based on what God's law provided, and God brought her to where she was supposed to be here in this particular field, on this particular day, to encounter Boaz. This makes me think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, two verses that I'm sure you have memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. When we trust and obey God according to his word, we can rest assured that he will bring us where we are supposed to be. If there's any doubt in your mind this morning that you are living in God's will, ask yourself, are you trusting him by his word and are you obeying him by his word? And if you are doing those two things, you will be well set on the path that God has for you in this life. Nothing happens by chance. Finally, though, in the passage, we see that God protects and rewards those who trust in him. We'll come to the end of the portion of chapter 2 that we're going to consider this morning. It, beginning in verse 8, it says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean, or go to glean in another field, or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. We see here the very first interaction between Bo uh, Ruth and Boaz, and it's Boaz speaking directly to this foreign woman, this Moabite woman who he has found in his field. And he tells her two things there in verse 8. He says, stay in my field and stay close to my female servants. It's, it's very easy for us to see here that that would have provided protection for Ruth that she desperately needed as she looked to glean the fields. And he reassures her of this protection in verse 9 when he says that my young men are not to touch you. And then he says, drink what the young men draw for you from the well. And so think back to the beginning. We said the two uh, difficult things about this situation that Ruth finds herself in is just the, 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 the difficulty of the labor but the protection from outsiders. 
And, and we think to ourselves the, the, the biggest threat is from people outside of her. And, and, and Boaz provides for her in that means. He says, stay with my female servants. My young men will not touch you. But notice what he also provides for. He also provides for the, the difficulty that she will face by just working the field. The heat of the day, he provides for her water. The very thing that she trusted God for in verse 2 and said, I shall find favor has been shown to her by Boaz. And she recognizes that in verse 10. She says that. She says, I found favor in your eyes, but she presents it with a question. She recognizes that she's found favor. She identifies his kindness to her, and she asks a question that we're all thinking to ourselves, why? Why has Boaz been kind to this Moabite woman in the way that he has? Why would you have such regard for me, Ruth says, a foreigner? You have noticed the unnoticed. You have recognized the unrecognized. She says, I am not your family, but you have treated me as such. Why is it that he has shown her such favor? Well, at first glance, it seems it's because of what she has done for Naomi. Again, as I mentioned earlier, word has spread, and Boaz recognizes there that he has, or or tells us there that he has heard of her loyalty to Naomi. You see it there in verse 11. Staying with Naomi, leaving her homeland. This was commendable, and and in Boaz's eyes, and and in the eyes of many people in Bethlehem, Ruth had done something that is, is very commendable and noble. And we see this in in Boaz's prayer there in verse 12 on behalf of Ruth. At first he says, the Lord repay you for what you have done. That word repay means to make whole or complete. There's something lacking that Ruth deserves here. And it's due to her actions toward her mother-in-law. Look at the next thing he says there. Very much the same thing in verse 12. He says, a full reward be given you by the Lord. Ruth is due a reward from the Lord himself in light of her service to Naomi. What do we see happening here? Well, throughout the Old Testament, we have this truth that is very important for us to understand that, that says that God will repay people according to their deeds. The righteous will receive what they deserve. The wicked will receive what they deserve is oftentimes the comparison. Just some verses where you can go and read about this. Jeremiah 25, 14, Psalm 28, 4, Job 34, 11, Proverbs 24, 12. But what we see here in light of Boaz's prayer for Ruth is that there is a reward that she is due. And the reward that Ruth is to receive is God himself, because she has trusted in him. We know and and affirm, according to scripture this morning, that the reward that each and every one of us deserve in and of ourselves, in our sinful state, is an eternity in hell. That is what we deserve in our rebellion against God. And if there's anything that we are to find in, in, in contrast to that, it is to be found in God alone by trusting in him. And so notice the very last thing that Boaz says in his prayer in view of Ruth. He says, um, a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, look what he says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
Ruth has put her trust in God completely as her refuge. This picture of the wings of refuge is, 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 is an illustration that's easy for us to understand that mother hen opening up her wings and, and, and shielding and protecting her young that, that we see here in Ruth. She has entrusted herself completely to the care of God and he is her refuge. Boaz speaks of this in the second part of verse 11 there where he, he commends her for what she did for her mother-in-law, but he also mentions how she left her father and mother and her native land and came to a people that she did not know before. And we think back to Ruth's confession of faith there in chapter 1 and we see and are reminded of again that she has committed herself to Yahweh. She's put her faith and trust in him. She has committed herself to his covenant people and in that she has come under the refuge the wings of God himself and so the things that she does for Naomi are an outworking of the trust that she has placed in God it's interesting there's another story in scripture or another place in scripture rather where we see this picture of a mother hen protecting her children You can find it there in Matthew 23, verse 37, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees there. And he says to them, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen under her wings. But he says at the the final part of the verse there, And you were not willing. Why is it that the Pharisees in Israel have not come under the wings and care of Christ, it's because they were righteous in their own eyes. It was their own works and that which appeared on the outside that they thought brought good standing before God, but their hearts were unchanged. They had not declared spiritual bankruptcy before Yahweh and put their trust and faith in Him completely, as Ruth has. Ruth has declared her allegiance to Yahweh. So because of that, God would be her refuge, and he would be her reward. Interestingly here, in the prayer that Boaz prays in verse 12 for this payment, this reward that she is due, he prays in such a way because he could not provide for her in full what she uh, was, was due. In other words, he's given all that he can to care for her, but he says God has something far greater for you, Ruth. Something far greater than I could ever give you. The cost was so large that only God himself could pay it. What is this reward? Well, we'll come to see it as we continue through Ruth in the coming weeks. Turn your attention, though, finally to verse 13 and and Ruth's response to all of this. Ruth's response is very fitting. She again recognizes there that word of favor, and she says, I have found favor in your eyes. Why? Because he's comforted her. He has calmed her fears. He has spoken kindly to her, comforting words, reassuring words. He has spoken words of life over Ruth. He has condescended. He has come near to her, this wealthy, rich Worthy man of Israel has come near to this Moabite woman. He has come to her level to meet her need. This is a pivotal point in the story of Ruth. Because here, in verse 13, we see that Ruth has found favor with Boaz. Boaz. 
But more importantly, what we see in these few verses that we've considered this morning is that Ruth has found a reward and a refuge in God that is eternal. She has left behind her gods and her people, her nation. She has come to Bethlehem and she has put her trust in Yahweh. And her reward and her refuge have been found in him alone. So I want to close very simply with this. Just as Boaz came near to Ruth, And just as he comforted her and just as he spoke words of life over her, so too has Christ. We too were foreigners. We too were aliens. We were outside the covenant people of God. We were rebels and haters of God and yet he came near to us. He condescended in the form of a man and he too comforts us. He sympathizes with our weakness. He sympathizes with the, the, this fallen state in which we live in as he came in the form of a man and he too speaks words of life over us. Because he is the word. He is life. And John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the glorious news of the gospel that God came near. The word came near. And though Boaz could not make the payment in full that Ruth had coming to her for putting her faith and trust in God, Christ has paid the payment in full. The payment that each and every one of us are due because of our sin and rebellion against God. That Christ himself, the God-man, went to the cross and his blood was shed making atonement, making that payment once and for all that each and every one of us do for our sin and our rebellion. And he paid the price in full by his blood. And when you put your faith and trust in him and repent of your sins, you will find this eternal refuge and this eternal reward, which is Christ and Christ alone. Would you pray with me this morning?